Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Y'all doing good this morning? Come on, are you here? Are you doing good this morning? If you don't know who I am, my name is Brian Sparks, I'm lead pastor here at the Church RC. We're so honored to have you here on this Easter Sunday and uh, at our, our first time to do a noon service. Come on, I know that a lot of people have lunch plans afterwards. Guess what? You're going to get to not have to fight uh, all, the, all the lines and crowds and all of that. So it's good to be here. Amen. So uh, we have a lot of exciting things happening here at the church, uh, and uh, as y'all know, we are getting ready to go into our campaign, our capital campaign, uh, to raise uh, funds to build a church, and that, that campaign is called Heart for the House, and it's going to be amazing because God is going to do great things. We believe uh, that he's going to do great exploits, he's going to do incredible things, and we're going to have a church building to call our home, amen? And uh, it's gonna, uh, we're going to be able to turn the air to whatever we want to turn it to. Uh, it's going to be incredible. No more back sweat for me. Amen. All the sweaters out there said amen. I'm a sweater. I don't know about you, but I'm a sweater. So uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, I, I got a real quick exciting announcement. Uh, we officially have, if you have a smartphone, we officially have a Church RC app. So you can download the Church RC app, and there's a lot of different things, service times. Uh, you can get the podcast directly through the app, and so we have that going on. And so speaking of podcasts, come on, let's just welcome our online campus. Come on, we have people that are listening from all over the world. Uh, and so we're so honored to have them listening, and uh, we hope this has been a blessing. Uh, but, but you know, this series has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it, and, uh, and if you're here and you haven't heard it, it's okay. You're not going to be left in the dark, uh, but I'm excited to continue this series. I think Crystal is going to finish it up uh, next week, and uh, it's going to be awesome and amazing, so you want to be sure and be here for that. I mean, it is going to be off the charts good. It is going to be, inc- she loves it when I talk her up. Uh, you, you know, she's like, would you just say it's going to be mediocre? So that way I don't have, I, if I, if I overperform, it's good, right? So, uh, but you know, if you've heard her communicate, she is an incredible preacher and, uh, it's going to be a great message. I think you're going to get something out of it. So, uh, if you got a Bible, turn to 2 Samuel 23, 2 Samuel 23. And we've been in this series called Chase the Lion, and the reason why we called it Chase the Lion is because uh, the first time we, uh, we kind of dove into this, we talked about a man named Benaiah. And what we're talking about is David's three mighty men. And uh, these guys are actually, they're, they're, they're just above and beyond bad. I mean, they are awesome on another level. And Benaiah was a man, it says about him, it says that he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed it. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a bad dude right there. He's not somebody that you want to mess with. You don't want to bump into him in a dark alley. You want to have him on your side, right? He's a bad dude. And then uh, last week, we talked about a man named Josheb who faced crazy odds. He had 800 men wanting to kill him and he stood and he fought with 800 to one odds. Now those are, that's pretty amazing. That's incredible. Uh, 800 to one are not good odds when you're the one. Okay, right? It's just not good. And, but Josheb, he, he stood anyway. And now today we want to talk about the, the th- uh, third mighty man. And, uh, and he's found in 2 Samuel 23, verse 9 and 10. And it says this, 
And after him was Eleazar, the son of, let's just call her Dodo, amen? <laughs> Poor girl. Parents, be careful what you name your kids, okay? I'm just going to say that right now. Um, the, same, the, 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 the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. Now, what's amazing about this is Eleazar stood when everybody else fled. You know, sometimes it's going to feel like you're by yourself. It's going to feel like you're alone. It's going to feel like nobody's on your side, that everybody else has run away. What's amazing is at the very end of this passage, it says that they only came back to plunder. Come on. There are going to be people in your life that leave you high and dry, and they only come back because you've got bank. They've, they only come back. But guess what? What's amazing is that even though everybody else left him, God didn't leave him. Because it says this, that God brought about a great victory that day. Maybe you're in this place today, and you feel like you're standing by yourself. But I want to tell you that God has not left you, God has not forsaken you, that he is on your side and he is fighting for you. Amen. Man, I ain't even got into my message. I'm already preaching. Amen. God brought about a great victory that day. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, fight for your dreams, fight for your dreams. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. Lord, I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. They didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one lead the same. And, Lord, we just thank you for what you did for us. The price you paid, the victory you won. We celebrate you today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. You know, around the turn of the 20th century, there was a, a psychologist named Alfred Adler. And uh, he, he kind of liked to study a lot of different things. And one thing that he kind of dove into and began to study is a theory. And the theory that he came up with was the theory of compensation. And what Adler set out to prove and what he ended up proving is, is that oftentimes what we see as disadvantages become advantages. Oftentimes what we see as weakness actually will become strength. And the reason why is because they, he found that people that seemed to have a disadvantage had to work harder. They had to work longer. And, and therefore, since they did work harder and they did work longer, it was compensating for that weakness that they actually became extremely strong and great in that area. 70% of the artists that Adler uh, studied had some kind of optical problem in their eye. They had, they had something, some irregularity. They had uh, trouble seeing things. They had something wrong with their vision. 70% of artists who painted or, or some kind of art, they had something wrong with their eye. Adler thought, well, that's pretty interesting. So he went ahead and continued to study, and he found that most composers, including Mozart and Beethoven, had some kind of, of ear problems. They couldn't hear uh, all, all the way. A lot of them were deaf in one ear. They had issues in those areas. But here's the thing is what's amazing is it, even though they had these seeming to be disadvantages, they still became strong in the area that they performed in. A more recent 
uh, example is John Irving. John is one of the greatest writers of his generation. His book, The World According to Garp, received a National Book Award, and his screenplay, Cider House Rules, won an Academy Award. But Irving earned a C- minus in his English high school class. Isn't that amazing? A C minus. So all of you people who failed English, amen. You're in good company. Earned a C minus in high school English. And here's what's amazing is it took him five years to graduate high school. Some of you that are thinking you're going to fail your senior year, hey, this is a good example to bring to your parents. Amen. Five years to graduate high school. Isn't that incredible? In fact, uh, Adler uh, said this, that he, in the studying, he found out that Irving had a 475, scored 475 out of 800 on his SATs. That means that two-thirds of you in this room scored higher than him. But most of us have not earned a National Book Award, and most of us haven't earned an Academy Award, Right? But what's amazing is, is that Irving continued to work hard. His, his teacher said this, Irving is lazy and stupid. Those are the exact words that they said about Irving. But what was amazing is, is really Irving wasn't lazy or stupid. He was dyslexic. And he worked and he tried and he didn't let that become an excuse for him. He said this, it would take him three hours to read a history lesson when it would take his, uh, the, the other students in his class one hour. But he didn't let that become an excuse. He continued to work. He continued to uh, try. He continued to put in the effort and the time that it took to become good at whatever it was. Now, what's amazing is, is that Irving went on to do great things. He went on to do incredible things. Here's what I want to tell you today, that a lot of times in what you think is a disadvantage is actually what God wants to bring out something in you that will become an advantage in your life. You've let people lie to you and tell you that you'll never be good enough. You're not smart enough. You didn't come from the right uh, side of the tracks, whatever it is. But I'm here to tell you, you see a disadvantage, but God says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why he put it in there, because he wants you to know that through him, you can do anything you set your mind to. Stop making excuses. Stop saying, well, I'm at a disadvantage. You don't understand. I, I didn't, I didn't have everything that I needed growing up. I didn't, I didn't have enough money. And you start making excuses. You know, here's the thing is a lot of people like to step back and say, well, some people are just luckier than others. The truth is, is luck is a word that people who are lazy use to describe people who are hustling. That's exactly what it is. There's no such thing as luck. What there is such thing as is hard work. And when you understand that God says you're going to have to fight for your dreams, that means this, you got to roll up your sleeves and you got to start going after it. You got to start getting it. You got to go, you got to keep going when nobody else is fighting with you and you got to keep pushing on when everybody else is quitting beside you. When you find a dream worth fighting for, you're willing to give the time it takes to get it, to earn it. It might not be easy. It might be difficult. There might be times that you think it's impossible. But if you keep working, God will get you through. You know, you begin to look at the Bible and you'll see that 
what most people saw, we, we, we look at people and we think they're at a disadvantage, but God uses them greatly. God can still uses them greatly. You know, here's the thing is Moses, God chose Moses in the backside of a desert to talk to kings. But an interesting thing about Moses is, is he was a stutterer. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm God, I'm going to pick somebody who talks good. Right? I mean, I got the whole earth to pick, but he picked somebody who stutters. Why? Because God knows this. With me, there's no such thing as a disadvantage. In fact, I like a challenge because God says, if if it's easy and you can do it on your own, you don't need me, right? So what's amazing about David's mighty men. You look at their life, you look at this passage and you understand that they were at an extreme disadvantage. Saul's men were chasing them. Saul's men slept in palaces. David's men had to sleep in caves. Saul's men had meals prepared for them. David's men had to fight and hunt for everything that they got. Saul's men had any weapon at their disposal. David's men had to actually fight to get those, get, get weapons. They had to forge for everything they got. Can I just tell you, you might be in this place today and think that you're at a disadvantage, but I want to tell you that God can use you even though you think there's no way you can be used. Amen? But here's the thing is, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight. It's going to be a dog fight. The thing is, is that dreams come with a fight. Because if you don't fight to get a dream, you won't have what it takes to keep it. You won't have what it takes to keep it. Come on, you ever seen, you know how many people that win the lottery end up being bankrupt? Why is that? Because they didn't have what it took take to fight it. Fight to get that well so they don't have what it takes to keep it. You ever seen a spoiled brat kid get a brand new truck on his 16th birthday? And it's trashed out by his 17th? Why? Because he didn't have to earn it. And if you don't earn it, you don't have what it takes to keep it. Some of you out there baby in your truck because you work for everything you got. You're going to have to fight for it. And you're going to have to have faith. You know, we've been looking at a few things that faith is. And I know that Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and that is the greatest definition of faith. I'm not here to say that I'm better. But I wanted to just tell you some things that I think faith is or what I've discovered faith is personally. Number one, the first week we talked about it, we said faith is a willingness to look foolish. Because when you go after your dreams, you're going to look stupid. When people look at you and, and see you going after something, they're going to they're gonna come up with every reason why you can't earn it, why you can't get it. They're gonna, you're going to look foolish to the people. Let me tell you, I look foolish coming to a town where I knew nobody to plant a church in a, in, in where I had no building. I look foolish. Faith is a willingness to look foolish. And the truth is, is it's not the people that go after their dreams that are foolish. It's the people who refuse to go after their dreams that are foolish. Number two, faith is unlearning your fears. We understand this, that you're only born with two fears, right? 
The two fears are the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. That means that if you have another fear out there that is holding you back, it's something that you learned. And if you learned it, that means that you can unlearn it, right? We can't, I believe God can teach a dog new tricks. Amen. You can unlearn those fears. Faith is a, is a giant process of unlearning fears. Number three talked about is faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Now this is, this is a hard one to learn because we want, I want every step laid out for me. Like I want the whole map. I want it laid out. God, how are you going to work this out? If I, if I end up leaving my job to go after that dream, I want to know how's this going to work out. Tell me how my bills are going to be paid. Tell me how this is going to work. Tell me all of it. And you begin to ask God for all of this. And God seems completely silent in those moments. He tells you, take the first step and I'll tell you the second. That's what faith is. And just so I, you know, I'm not telling anybody to quit their job. Pay your bills. Act like a grown-up. Okay. <laughs> Number four. This is where we're at today. Faith is standing firm in the midst of adversity. Faith is standing firm in the midst of adversity. Ephesians 6.13 says this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That means when things get hard, when things are difficult, when things aren't going your way, you need to be able to withstand. And it says this, and having done all, stand. Amen? Having done all you can do, sometimes you just got to stand. Sometimes there's a place where you go, God, I've done all I know to do. I've worked all I can do. I've done everything that I know to do. And now then I know that you put this dream in my heart. I know that I have this thing, this, this passion, and I've done everything that I know that I can do. And so now I'm just going to stand. You got to be willing to stand in the face of adversity. You're going to have to fight for your dreams. Here's four ways to fight for your dreams. Number one, you have to define success. You have to define success. You know, uh, I was always a baseball guy growing up. I loved to play baseball. It was just something that I was passionate about, something that I really enjoyed. And I was really good at baseball. Uh, and, but one year, uh, I think it was my sixth grade year, I decided that I was going to play basketball. I'm not sure why I decided this, because uh, when I was 16, I, I'll tell you, I was short. I know you are saying you're tall now. No, I was, real, I was five foot two up until I was 16. And then I had a huge growth spurt. I mean, Huge. I know. Look how tall, much taller I am than y'all right now. I mean, I tower over you. <laughs> but the truth is, is that I was a short kid. And for some reason, though, I decided basketball seemed like a good idea. Seemed like an awesome idea. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to play basketball. And I was kind of like, uh, you know, I kind of pictured myself, you know, because I, lo- I grew up watching Michael Jordan, right? 
And I'd pictured myself, come on, fading back, taking the game-winning shot, you know, just releasing. Come on, we've seen the movies. Y'all said, dun, 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 dun. You know, you've got this whole thing. And I pictured it in my head, and I thought, man, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to make a shot. And, and I was excited, and I was nervous. Come on, you just kind of like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what. You don't know if you need to go to the bathroom or what needs it. You know, you got these all these emotions and feelings going on. And, and I was excited about this, but then part of me wanted to make the game-winning shot, but another part of me kind of prayed that I wasn't going to get the ball. Right? You ever been there? Like, God, don't give me the ball. Lord, don't let me get the ball. Lord, let everybody else, because then you have an excuse. Well, nobody gave me the ball. I was wide open. What, Dude, why didn't you pass it? Like, and, and, and what happened was is that in the game, we're rocking along, and I got the ball. And to my amazement, the goal was wide open. I mean, nobody to dribble around, nobody to go around, nothing to fight through. Wide open. And I took the shot. And I sunk it. I'm telling you, I was so excited. Come on. In this moment, I felt like this is incredible. I have just helped bring my team to a victory. I am doing awesome. Uh, Move out of the way, Michael Jordan. I am the next great thing in basketball. Like, you don't have any idea. And I'm celebrating. And I'm pumping my fist. Come on, you got to pump your fist. And I'm excited. And I realized that nobody else is celebrating. And I was like, guys, what's up? And they said, You shot it in the wrong goal. And what I had done, in my excitement and stupidity, I had shot it in the wrong goal and made two points for the other team. The other team was the only one celebrating with me, right? Here's the thing is you have to have a clearly defined view of success. You have to define success. Because here's the thing is you can succeed at the wrong thing and you have failed. But you can fail at the right things and you'll succeed. What do I mean by that? See, the truth is, is there's a lot of people out there that live their whole life succeeding at the wrong thing. Maybe they succeed at their job and they have everything, but they lose their family. Because you can succeed at the right, uh, wrong thing and you can fail in life. You can fail at the right thing. Or, uh, yeah, fail at the right thing and you'll succeed. Steve Covey says this. I love this quote. He said, some people are so busy climbing the ladder of success, they fail to realize the ladder is leaned against the wrong wall. They're so busy climbing the ladder of success that they fail to realize that the ladder's leaned against the wrong wall. See, sometimes you've got to take a moment and take a step back and define success. What is success to you? Not what is success to my neighbor. Not what is success to Michael. Not what is success to Candace. Not what is, what is success to me? And when you define success, everybody else might look at you like you're a failure. But at the end of your life, you'll know that I succeeded because I had a clearly defined view of success. You know what success is to me? When the people who know me best respect me the most. That's success to me. When people who know me the best, who live around me, who work around me, and they respect me the most. The truth is, is there will always be somebody out there that's got a bigger crowd, 
There'll always be somebody out there that's speaking uh, to, to more people. There's always going to, that's not success. That's awesome, but it's not success. When the people like my kids and my wife respect me the most, that's success to me. You have to have a clearly defined view of success. You know, what's amazing is, is even though it's a little blip in a book, Eleazar had defined success. In this passage of scripture, Eleazar had defined success. And that's why he stood when everybody else ran. Because when you have defined success and you know what success looks like to you, you have found a field worth dying on. Eleazar said this, everybody else can run. Everybody else can get out of here, but I have a clearly defined view of success, and success to me is getting David to the throne. And I'm going to do everything that I can to fight for that dream because I know this, that I have a clearly defined view of success. Here's the thing is you don't die when your heart stops beating. You die when you start, stop chasing a dream. You don't die when your heart stops beating. You know, zombies are a crazy thing, but they're very true. Because there's a lot of people out here that are walking dead. And you've died because you've stopped chasing something worth meaning. You think that all I have to do is suck air and die. Wake up every Monday dreading that it's Monday. And praying for Friday to show up where I can have all-you-can-eat wings and half-priced beer, and that's living. Come on. That's not what life is. Life is having passion. Life is chasing a lion. Life is going after something bigger than you and understanding that you might not achieve it, but golly, I'm going to try to earn it anyway. Number two, you have to take it one step at a time. See, here's the thing is dreams come one step at a time. It's just the way it is. Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. If life is like a box of chocolates, then dreams are like a box of Legos. Just so you know, if you ever step on one of these, you'll pray that the Lord take you home immediately. (laughs) It's a death trap. My kids used to set death traps, I'm pretty sure. But life is like a box of Legos because here's the thing is, is that I know when I bought this box of Legos, the good people at Lego made sure that I had all the pieces that I needed to build the starfighter, right? Every piece that I needed, but I also knew this. I had no false assumption that I would open that box and a starfighter would roll out. I knew that when I opened this box and poured it out, it would be in pieces. See, and here's the thing, is that God gives you a dream and he says this, I've given you every piece you need to make that dream become a reality. But you have to understand it comes one piece 
at a time. It doesn't come out in one chunk. If you're sitting around waiting to wake up one day and say, oh, I want all of my dreams to come true. I just want to wake up in the house that I want. I want to have the cars that I want. I want my kids to be exactly like I want them to be, and I'm not going to work. Guess what? Keep dreaming, honey, because that's not going to happen. You got to understand that dreams happen by building them one piece at a time, by putting them together one piece at a time. But here's what's amazing is that God has given you every piece that you need to build that dream. See, here's the thing is T.D. Jake says this, we pray for oak trees and God gives us acorns. God gives you the seeds that you need to grow the crop that you want. God will give you the seeds that you need to grow the crop that you want. And it happens one piece at a time. By snapping them together one piece at a time. You get, out, you get in shape one workout at a time. I wish it wasn't that way, amen. I'm still waiting on them to invent a fat pill. I just keep laying there dreaming. <laughs> Jimmy's working out, and I'm just dreaming about a fat pill. It's going to give me an eight-pack eight abs. Come on, somebody. One day, just going to take a pill with a little water. Bam. What about? Eight-pack abs. Work, getting in shape happens one workout at a time. Getting out of debt happens one dollar at a time. Falling in love Happens one date at a time. Come on, earning your degree happens one class at a time. You master an instrument one practice at a time. See, here's what's amazing is that when you understand that this is a step process, that God wants you to take steps to get to your dreams, the reason why he does this is he, he, he knows this, that on the way, when you're taking the steps to your dream, on the way to your dream, you'll become the person that he wants you to be. All of a sudden, you don't just arrive at your dream. All of a sudden, he's building character. He's building stamina. He's building all of these things on the, I'm just going to do this. I don't care. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult, but I'm just going to do it anyway. See, God is making you into the person that he wants you to be. Number three, you getting something out of this? Number three, realize there is no success without sacrifice. There is no success without sacrifice. A lot, of you, you, a lot of you have probably heard the term, they were an overnight success. That's not true. See, because here's the thing, is that you don't know what it took to get them there. You didn't see it. Because you were in bed sleeping. And they were working. You didn't see it, but they were putting in hours and hours and hours going after their dream. But we just see the result of their hard work. Rowdy Gaines in 1984 set an Olympic record in the 100 meter freestyle with a time of 49.8 seconds. Now here's what's amazing is, is that he was supposed and he had been training to swim in the 1980 Olympics. But the USA uh, boycotted those Olympics in Moscow, Russia. 
They decided, hey, we're not doing it. We boycotted it. Can you imagine training for four years to do something and all of a sudden find out you can't do it? A lot of us would throw in the towel, say, well, I gave it a shot. I tried, but not Rowdy. Rowdy kept going for it. Rowdy kept training. He trained for eight years. Eight years he worked and he trained. And all of a sudden in 1984, he swam a world Olympic world record in 49.8 seconds. In those eight years, Rowdy swam 20,000 miles. 20,000 miles. And he did it 50 meters at a time. Rowdy was quoted saying this, I swam around the world for a race that lasted 49 seconds. I swam around the world for a race that lasted 49 seconds. See, Rowdy understood something. There is no success without sacrifice. And sometimes there's setbacks, but you know what? The people who get to their dreams persevere. And they understand, you know what, I understand. It might not look like I thought it was going to look. It might not come out like I thought it was going to come out. I thought I was going to be, be here sooner. I thought I was going to achieve it a little sooner or a little earlier in my life. But here's the thing is that I understand that there is no success without sacrifice. The last thing, to fight for your dreams and to continue to fight for your dreams, you must never forget why. You know, why is a powerful thing. A lot of us think that how, when, where, what are the most important things, but that's not the truth. The goal and and the road to your dream starts with knowing why you're going after that dream. It's one of the most powerful things that you can ever know And it's the most important thing for you to remember on the journey. Because if you'll keep why in your mind, if you'll know why did I do this, because there's going to be times that you want to throw in the towel. There's going to be times that you want to quit. There's going to be times that you want to give up. And the only thing that will keep you fighting is remembering why. And I just want to know, some of you might be in this place and you might be thinking, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel. And I just came to ask you a question. Just remember, can you remember why you started to begin with? Can you remember why you married her? I know it's tough now. I know it's difficult. I know you're having some fights, but just take time to remember why. You remember why you started that business. Can you remember why you started coaching your son's baseball team? Can you remember why you started serving at that nonprofit? Can you remember why? See, because if you can just remember why, You'll stay in the fight. You'll you'll keep fighting. You'll keep going after it. You won't quit. Because you remembered why you started in the first place. 
Every one of us in this place have come to celebrate Jesus. We're here because it's Easter. So we've come to celebrate what he's done for us. The difference that he's made in us. But what's amazing is, is that Jesus didn't just say, oh yeah, it seems like a good idea. Let's, I'll do something. I'm bored. He looked down from heaven at the people on this earth and he saw a dream worth fighting for because he saw this giant chasm that could not be leaped across or a bridge built across by man to get to God. So he put on flesh and he dwelt among us because there was a dream worth fighting for. And here's the thing is that the whole time he was on this earth, he had defined success. And success didn't look like what everybody else thought it would look like. Success to him looked like a cross. And because he had defined success, he took the steps to achieve his dream up a hill called Golgotha. And there he paid the ultimate sacrifice. whole time he remembered why that why was you and that why was me the truth is is that he loves you friend he cares about you I know that a lot of churches have treated the cross like a misshapen club to beat you with But it's a a very symbol of love. Because love kept him on the cross. Love kept him there, friend. The greatest decision that you could make today is saying yes to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.